Hey there. Happy Tuesday to you. Nate Dickinson with you here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Hope you're having a good week. Good start to it, at least. I know I am. Coming up on today's show, we got a recap, of course, of the press conference yesterday from Gopher Football. P.J. Fleck took to the podium on Monday, as he does every week. And as we've been doing for every week for a while now, we'll go over what he had to say about the game against Nebraska, of course, but also going forward against Wisconsin as well, and also Press had a lot of questions regarding National Signing Day, which is tomorrow, too. We'll go over some of that as well from PJ. And also, tonight, a big matchup for the Minnesota Gopher basketball team against Illinois. We'll get a little bit of preview of the Illini, the things that you should look out for, as far as what Illinois will bring to the table tonight against the Gophers. Well, that's all coming up later on in the show. Right now, though, we're going to start off with a look at everything that's gone down in Minnesota sports news over the course of the last day. As we do here on Locked On Gophers, we say if you give us 30 minutes, we'll give you everything you need to know about Minnesota sports, and today's no exception. We'll start off with everything that happened over the last day for the Gophers. First off, we mentioned yesterday the Minnesota Gophers women's basketball team faced off against Northwestern in a pretty big test. The Wildcats, the number 17 team in the nation, and they showed it in a rolling over the Gophers. The final score, 80-51. to I'd usually break down some more in the stats, but I really don't want to in a 30-point loss. Let's move on. Also, there's the new women's golf course, uh, golf coach at the head of the women's team for the Gophers. I don't know what course they'll play on. Maybe it's new, maybe it's not. But Real Brinsmead, and I hope I'm saying that right. First name is R-H-Y-L-L. Real or Real, uh, anywho, Real Brinsmead is the new coach of the women's golf team. She comes after 13 years at Kennesaw State, so she definitely knows what she's doing. Elsewhere, Mariano Sori Marin is the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week after the Minnesota Golden Gophers defender had an outstanding weekend against Nebraska, the conference honoring him. And some news regarding something we talked about yesterday. I brought up the question early in our show on Monday, what will happen with TCF Bank Stadium after Ohio Banks ended up buying them? Well, it turns out that TCF will gradually become Huntington Bank, which is a little bit of a confusion on my part. I wasn't part. I wasn't sure exactly what the name of the banks were. I, I was. It's like Ohio Bank's Financial or something, but the actual name of the bank is Huntington. Honestly, I still don't 100% get it, but that's what you need to know. TCF will become Huntington over time. You don't have to worry about a stadium in Minnesota being named Ohio, but. It still is an Ohio banking system that will be naming this Minnesota stadium. So it's not entirely making sense, but, you know, oh well. It's not all that bad either. Let's look around what's going on with the Minnesota Gophers right now. Again, big game tonight against Illinois that I'll be live tweeting, by the way, if you want to tune in, at LO Golden Gophers. I will be tweeting throughout the evening, tweeting out clips when I can and hopefully keeping you up to date and entertained as you watch the Gophers face off against Illinois. But I want to start by talking a little bit about that. In my one little quick take before we get into everything with the press conferences and the preview for tonight's game, the road ahead for Minnesota basketball is almost unbelievably difficult. And I I, I don't know if I've ever seen a schedule this tough right now. Obviously, the Gophers have Illinois next. That's obviously the big task ahead. Then they get a little bit of a time off and a game against St. Louis on the 20th. So they'll have a little bit of a breather. But after that, it's really, really all powerhouses as far as Big Ten play goes as they get started up on Christmas Day against Iowa at home, then Michigan State, then at Wisconsin, 
then Ohio State, then at Michigan, then at Iowa again, and then home against Michigan again. That is, as I, I counted up right now, just right in front of me, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Out of the nine upcoming games for the Gophers, including tonight, eight of them will be against ranked teams. Eight of them will be against ranked Big Ten teams. So not only is it big for the resume building as far as putting together an NCAA tournament resume against ranked teams, it's big for resume building as well as just putting together a resume as far as where you stand in the Big Ten. I mean, this is a big, big stretch for the Gophers to try and get a couple of wins here where they can really, really establish themselves at the end of the season, right? Because when it comes to Selection Sunday, everyone's going to be talking about what good wins do you have, what bad losses do you have. Gophers have some opportunities for some really, really big wins coming up. And Minnesota, to be quite honest, hasn't been tested all that much this season. You had Boston College. They have not looked like a great ACC team so far. You had the games against LMU in which they really gave you a run for your money. But that team is not exactly what you're looking for as far as quality wins out there. This is a stretch where from now until January 16th, which is that ninth out of the nine games I'm talking about, the next month, you're going to have a real good shot to build up a resume that, quite honestly, if you do well enough in this next month, you kind of put yourself in a position where as long as you don't really mess it up, you're a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament, if you can do well enough. I'm not saying the Gophers will do that. I'm not saying I believe the Gophers will do that. I believe they can do that. I believe this team has enough experience and ability to be able to pull that off. But I have no idea what will happen over the next week because, as many people have talked about, I really don't know this Gopher team yet. Yes, it's looked good so far. Through six games, the Gophers are 6-0, and and they've won a lot of those games pretty handily. A nine-point win over North Dakota is concerning. An only three-point win over LMU is concerning when you had to win it on a buzzer beater to avoid overtime. But the team hasn't lost yet. Right now, you get your first test tonight against Illinois. Your first big, big test. You could say Boston College was a test of its own just being a Power 5 school. But you're going to have a month here where prior to tonight, you could easily say, yeah, the Gophers are 6-0, and but we don't really know how good they are because they haven't played anybody yet. If you're wondering just how good these Gophers can be against good competition, you're about to find out very, very quickly. This team has a month of games that is just an absolute onslaught of top competition. We're talking about teams in Illinois, Iowa, and in Michigan State, and Wisconsin, too. I got halfway through through saying Wisconsin, but Wisconsin too. Those are all teams. Those are four teams that have Final Four aspirations. They're not teams that are just trying to make the NCAA tournament. They're teams that are trying to go deep, go into the third weekend of the NCAA tournament. These are teams that are wanting to fight for championships. And we'll get into the Illinois game tonight, but in an Illinois team in particular, that's a team that in its first six games has lost two of them and is coming off a loss to a Missouri team that's ranked but I would surely believe the Illini don't think they should have lost to. So to start the Big Ten schedule off like this, and you can say whatever you want about what you believe in trap games or games in which guys just kind of get lost in the system of a season and let one slip, but if you're playing all these teams right off the bat, I mean, this is the start of the Big Ten season. People who play in the Big Ten understand how important it is to win Big Ten games. And when it's those first Big Ten games of the year, You know everyone's going to be out there bringing you everything they've got. Minnesota needs to be able to do the same. And again, first test is tonight at Illinois at 6 p.m. 
And I know I'm going to be watching it closely. You should be watching it closely, too. Because not only does it give you a gauge of who this Minnesota team is as far as how good they can be against any one team, but it'll give you maybe a gauge, give you maybe a gauge of just how much you can expect going forward as the Gophers hit this absolute gauntlet of powerful, powerful Big Ten teams. It's not going to get any easier after Illinois. Know that. You've got two against Iowa, one against Michigan State, two against Michigan, and another one against Wisconsin and Ohio State all in the next month. There are no breaks, no time off. Minnesota has its first of those tests tonight, and we'll talk about it later on in the show today. Well, Minnesota won't be able to chill off for all that long after they get started here tonight against Illinois and hit that big gauntlet, but hopefully you have some time to chill out, and when you do, I suggest you head over to Coors Light. I got some Coors Light in the fridge right now, went back yesterday and picked some up because, well, they're literally the beer that's made to chill. Whether it's what you want to do when you're watching the football game or just relaxing after a hard day at work, you can go to Coors Light to make sure that you can unwind the right way. Coors Light isn't just made to relax either. They're not using it in that form of the word chill either. It's literal. They're made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill, as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind, and it's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's get.coorslight.com. Remember, celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. After we come back here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, we're going to break down the presser from P.J. Fleck yesterday. He talked about a whole lot of interesting stuff from Nebraska, looking forward to Wisconsin, and also recruiting things with signing day on Wednesday and a whole bunch of other stuff. We'll talk about it all in a minute right here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Nate Dickinson with Locked On. Hey there, Nate Dickinson here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. We're going to break down everything from what P.J. Fleck said on Monday in his press conference after the game against Nebraska. But before we get into that, tomorrow here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast, we're going to have a look and, of course, a recap of the Illinois game tonight. It's a big one for Minnesota basketball. We'll, of course, have a preview of that game coming up in just a minute here on the podcast, but... We'll also recap what happened and what I saw from the matchup yesterday for the Minnesota Gophers in tomorrow's episode. And also, we'll get into everything that happened over the weekend with the Gopher football team with our look at what they said on Pro Football Focus. Who graded out best for the Gophers? Who do they say needs to do a little bit better? We'll break all that down on tomorrow's episode of Locked On Golden Gophers. But right now, let's get into what P.J. Flex said in his press conference on Monday. Fleck goes to the podium every Monday to go over everything that the Gophers did over the weekend after the game and answer questions from the media, of course. And we like to break things down just because it's a little bit more of an in-depth interview than what we get post-game. Like, after the game, Fleck gives you obviously his thoughts, but he hasn't had the time to look over the film. He hasn't really even had time to think about what happened out there on the gridiron. And on Monday, you get an idea of what he's thinking a little bit more, but also you get some just better questioning, I think, from the media people out there. I, I shouldn't say better questioning, but in the post-game pressers, the media is more thinking about their gamers for that game, about writing the recaps that you read in the newspapers or getting the sound bites for the radio station purely in relation to that game. On Mondays, 
you get a little bit more context into like what happened, what it means going forward. Uh, I guess a little bit more big picture, and I like to go into all of that for that reason. Uh, Flex started off first off by er, er, th- saying happy birthday to Paul Rovnak, the SID for Minnesota football. Uh, I think I mentioned that in the first segment, but if not, it was his birthday Monday. So that was his entire opening statement. I like to go into the opening statements just because those are the most like prepared parts of things that Fleck has to say. So I think they do hold a little bit of value, but he, he just said happy birthday to his guy on that one. So nothing to go over there. Uh, later on, he asked about, or he was asked, I should say, about playing Wisconsin this weekend. Fleck just said he was thankful to be able to do it. Something that he didn't really know how it was going to play out this whole like champions week that they had set up for the Big Ten. It was initially planned out that the best of each conference would obviously play each other for the title game. And then two would play two east and west, three, three, four, four, five, five, six, six, so on and so forth. But that is not what the Big Ten ended up going with. And honestly, I like what the Big Ten did a whole lot better. Instead of just matching it up second place team against second place team in the east and west and then third and third and all that the big 10 instead decided to kind of give the conference the matchups they wanted which is fine and i kind of think i like it a little bit more now in the case of a a team like iowa you might argue it kind of puts them at a disadvantage they would have liked to have played a team like indiana i think as far as like bowl placement goes and all that they they won't be doing that indiana won't be playing at all we've since learned but that's a separate story but for a team like minnesota you get to battle for the axe now for a team like indiana you would have gotten to play purdue in your big rivalry matchup i think the big 10 rate made the right move here because it really gives the fan bases of these teams something to look forward to more than just that last game, you know? Like, this means more to Minnesota playing Wisconsin than it would if Minnesota was playing whoever the corresponding Big Ten East team would have been. I don't even know. I haven't looked it up. But being able to play for the Axe and having that game put back on the schedule after we thought it was going to be taken away from us, I mean, that just seems like it fits better, you know? It would have felt like a really weird way to end the season going up against a Nebraska team, right? Like you played Nebraska last weekend and you got that game in. It was nice to have the team back on the field after two weeks, but it just really feel like a, felt like a fragmented season overall. And it's not like it doesn't now, but at the very least, you're ending Big Ten play on a note where you have the game against Wisconsin, you have the battle for the Axe, and you have a situation where at least a little bit, a little bit more than maybe before, things seem a little normal. And I I think that's a good move by the Big Ten. But anywho, let's move on to what PJ had to say. Fleck was also asked about the recruiting for Minnesota because tomorrow is National Signing Day, and we'll break down a little bit of that tomorrow in the show as well as far as who is actually coming in with this Gopher team. But he was asked specifically about recruiting players in Minnesota, about how he feel he has done in doing that in the first few years with this team. He said he thought he's done a really really good job with the guys that have always wanted to be Gophers. Those guys who have been always following Minnesota football and and had that dream from a young age, I want to play for the Minnesota Gophers at the University of Minnesota at some point. He feels like he's done a really good job with that. Which can be taken one of two ways. Like one, okay, yeah, you've done a really good job with recruiting Minnesota players. But also at the same time, on the other hand, If these guys have always been wanting to be in Gophers the entire time, how hard is it really to bring those guys in, you you know? But then he also said with the guys from Minnesota who are kind of up in the air, they're undecided, 
It's just that you know you have a shot, which I agree with. I don't disagree with that in any way. And I really do kind of downplay, in a way, the the idea that a guy from Minnesota should automatically want to be a Minnesota football player, and that should be somebody that the Gophers bring in. I do think that, obviously, that's not the case. That's not how every kid thinks going into a college decision. But Fleck did bring up that he says he thinks he's made progress in doing that kind of thing, but that there are other schools around here, like a Wisconsin or even an Iowa, and pretty much a lot of schools in the Big Ten that have an advantage as far as the culture goes that are decades long. Fleck pointed out, like, he he can't speak to what happened in the 30 years before he got here, you know? In the 30 years that makes Ohio State so much of a more desirable destination, or Minnesota, or I'm sorry, or Michigan, or Michigan State. As far as all that goes, he can't control any of that. He can only control what's happened since he's gotten here. So he acknowledges there are schools out there that just because of their football tradition, have a huge, huge head start on anybody in recruiting, even the guys who are right in Minnesota's backyard. But he did say, that's about to change. Fleck brought up, you you can still use it against the Gophers, that there hasn't been an offensive lineman drafted from Minnesota in however many years. That's still a very valid argument. But he promised, well, didn't promise, I shouldn't say that. He, I would say, very definitively said, that's about to change. I, I think he actually just said that in one sentence. That is about to change. I'd have to go back and check to make sure. But he's confident that this is something that's going to be turned around. There's something that apparently he's seeing that makes him believe that he's going to be able to start getting more of these Minnesota guys as the years start to go on. And this is one of those things you just have to be patient with Fleck for because he's right. A team like Ohio State, that's not something that you get a recruiting advantage over overnight. You don't just hire P.J. Fleck and say, oh, all right, well, now you can out-recruit a team that's been to the college football playoff for a few years already. That's just not how it works, you know? So I don't know exactly what to think of what Fleck has to say about that. I mean, it's just kind of a wait-and-see kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't think you can really criticize him all that much yet for any sort of misses that he's had as far as in-state recruits go. I will say this, though. I do think that getting your in-state guys is a little bit more important than some people give credit for. Because, I mean, I just kind of argued against this a second ago in saying that, you know, When it comes to the in-state players, there are guys who really, they aren't guys who are thinking, oh, I'm going to be a Minnesota Gopher from when they started playing football at five years old. There are guys who aren't thinking that. I feel like too many fans are going into these recruiting processes thinking, oh, he's a Minnesota guy. He wants to be a Gopher. He should be able to be signed by the Gophers. It shouldn't be that hard. Not all players are like that. But at the same time, if there's a five-star player in Alabama, and there are plenty of them, they're not leaving Alabama. Maybe they go to Bama, maybe they go to Auburn, but no matter what, that guy, in almost all cases, he ain't leaving the state. Nick Saban's going to be able to bring that guy in, or whoever ends up being the new head coach of Auburn is going to be able to bring that guy in. So if Minnesota is going to get to a point where it is elite elite, then yeah, there is a time where you're going to have to be able to say to P.J. Fleck, hey, why weren't you able to bring in this in-state guy? team and the team's culture and the team's tradition just isn't there yet. There hasn't been enough winning yet. As PJ says, he believes that that's about to change. He believes it's going to change over time. But there's really no argument for saying that, hey, this guy should be bringing this guy in right now just because Minnesota isn't that dominant of a program yet. Same thing goes with the basketball team. There's been all sorts of complaints about how Minnesota basketball players are going to Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin's been to Final Fours recently. 
there's a reason. If Minnesota can build up that culture over time, then then there will be a time where you can say, hey, why haven't you brought in this in-state guy? Why weren't you able to get him? But, I mean, these kids aren't stupid. Just because they live in Minnesota, they understand the quality of programs and the opportunities both staying in-state and going out and all of that. And there are a lot of kids, I'd say most kids, where location is not the number one priority for them when choosing a school to play a sport at. I just think that there's critiques that are not really valid as far as bringing in in in-state guys. Some are, but I don't like the idea of critiquing Fleck about that just quite yet. Moving on from recruiting, and again, signing day is tomorrow. We'll have stuff on that on tomorrow's show as well. Uh, Other thing Fleck brought up, he said he could see the improvement on defense. It's something I touched on yesterday. I thought the defense did pretty good against uh, Nebraska. As we mentioned on yesterday's show, that was the least amount of points Nebraska has scored all season outside of a game against Northwestern, and we know how good Northwestern has been this year. But I will say that just in thinking about what P.J. had to say about the defense looking good, and this is something that he brought up as well, the team's just getting better over time. This is something that we talked about early in the season as well, about how those first couple of games, P.J. was really just kind of preaching when the defense was doing terribly. Remember, we're talking about like uh, against the first game against Michigan and then against Maryland after that. The defense was brutal, absolutely terrible. And P.J. was answering these questions about, hey, why has this defense been so bad? And he just gave the really simple answer that was, well, this defense hasn't been on the football field yet. We didn't have any summer practices. We didn't have any training camps. We had none of that. There's a whole lot of raw talent out there that just needs time to get better. And I said then, when we were talking about it way back when, a couple months back, this isn't something that's going to happen overnight. You're going to hear P.J. Fleck talk about for the first few weeks every single time. The tackling just needs to get better. We need to get to our spots. The simple kind of stuff. And I said it then, too, that for the fans and for the media who are writing these articles and all that, that's an unsatisfying answer, especially the second and third time, that that doesn't mean it's not the answer. And over time, this team has just gotten better because it takes the reps. There are some things where you really just can't get better at until you've gotten the reps. And being able to do the form tackling and get on those edges and make your marks is one of those kind of things. There's some things that you just can't emulate in practice. And Minnesota now has that experience on defense where even if you want to say they're good or bad or whatever you want about this defense, there's no doubt they're better than they were when they started. And that's just a matter of time. Again, we talked about it earlier in the season. This team wasn't going to be good overnight at defense. Wasn't going to get better overnight at defense. But it is getting better. And P.J. pointed that out as well. Only other couple of things I uh, wrote down of what P.J. mentioned as far as at the podium yesterday. Uh, He brought up Wisconsin's ability to stop the run. P.J. said, obviously, really talented team over there at Wisconsin. Being able to run the ball is important. But he brought up also that being balanced is very important too. And I think that's important, especially because he brought up just still being shorthanded. Like this team is getting some players back this weekend against Wisconsin, but there are still a whole lot of guys who won't be out there. And when you are undermanned, you are going to be able to need to do a couple of different things against a team. Like there are a couple of games where you could have argued that really just handing the ball off to Mo Ibrahim would have worked all four quarters, Right. But when you're down, however many guys the Gophers are going to be down this coming weekend, yeah, Mo Ibrahim can get 100 yards like he did against Nebraska last week, but it would really help this team out if Tanner Morgan was also able to throw the ball a little bit more. 
and you just were able to keep Wisconsin a little bit more on its heels, you know? Because if the Badgers are able to predict what the Gophers are doing, if the Gophers are being predictable, that's when the man disadvantage could end up rearing its head and having an effect. Because one-on-one, if one guy knows what's going to happen and the defender knows what's going to happen too, if Minnesota's playing in backups and rotating guys in and out and guys are getting more reps than they're used to and our guys are wearing out more than they would normally, yeah, the defender's going to be able to win that battle more often. But if the Gophers are able to be a little bit more creative in the play calling, open up the passing game, and, and keep it where people are still guessing on the snap as to what exactly is going to happen, I think that could help the Gophers a lot as far as being successful on offense in this matchup. Defense, I don't know. It's a whole different story. Last question PJ was asked, or one of the last ones, was about playing a bowl game this year. And this is something I hadn't really thought about. But he asked, uh, just what would the team do when it comes to going to a bowl game? Would they accept a bowl game right away? Would there be talks about COVID and all that? And PJ basically responded the only way he could. He, he gave some coach speak here, but in a pandemic, uh, that's really all you can give to this question. And he said he, he didn't really know. But whenever that time came, the decision would be made as a family, as a team, AD, front office, all that kind of stuff. But really, you can't think that far ahead at this point. PJ said the same thing. He said 100% of his attention right now is on Wisconsin, as it should be. It's a huge game in a game in a season that's been up and down for this team. Being able to take back the axe would be able to kind of take away some of those frustrations that some people might have had with the Gophers early in the season. But as far as a bowl game goes, I feel like if there's one thing this pandemic has taught us about how you go about doing sports in it, it's that you can't plan too far ahead. Like BYU and Coastal Carolina were able to plan a game in six days or whatever it was. That's big. That's the kind of mindset you have to have in doing this. And I think that's what P.J. Fleck is thinking right now, especially ever after having gone through everything with COVID over the last couple of weeks. You can't think that far ahead as far as bowl games go. Do I think the Gophers will be invited to a bowl game? Yeah, probably. Uh, they have a big enough fan base where it would be profitable to whoever's sponsoring the game. They have three wins. They'd be at worst three and four if they end up losing to Wisconsin. So I could see the Gophers being invited to a bowl game no matter what happens this weekend. I don't know what happens as far as what the team does. That's an entirely different story. But I do think there's a chance the Gophers could go bowling if they really wanted to. I'd, I'd, I'd call it likely right now. Well, if you do need some energy going into the rest of your week, it's a Tuesday. Hump Day's coming up tomorrow, and we all know that's the hardest one to get through. Maybe second to Monday, actually. But anywho, if you need some extra energy going into the rest of the week, Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar out there. And that's the big difference, because everybody knows you can get your protein from pretty much anywhere nowadays. You can take a pill. you got the powder stuff you shake up. You can get an energy bar. You can get a shake but Built Bar is, as far as taste goes, the best out there. They're coming out with new flavors all the time. They got a cherry barcia, carrot cake, caramel brownie out now, as well as the classics, orange, mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, all, all sorts of flavors they have out there as well. 18, actually, amazing flavors that you can choose from, including nuts and non-nut flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. That's one of my least favorite things about these protein and energy bars, the kind of granola stuff that gets stuck in your teeth all the time. Nobody likes that stuff. But if you want to get that energy while also staying healthy and having that great taste as well, Built Bar is a no-doubt choice for you. Now, if you want to go ahead and take advantage of an opportunity we've got for you over here at Locked On, well, we got something for you to hook you up. 
go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's locked on, no space, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, the promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Coming up in just a minute, we're going to preview Minnesota and Illinois. Big matchup coming up tonight over in Champaign. We'll break it all down in just a minute right here on the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. Welcome back to Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to break down the matchup tonight between Minnesota and Illinois. Fighting Illini, 4-2 and two on the season. They came in as a top five preseason team, but right now stand at number 16 after a couple of losses. Last one in their last matchup against Missouri. So you know these Illini are going to be hungry going into tonight's game to open Big Ten play. But what exactly does this team bring to the table? I got a couple of keys for you as we wrap up the show today. First things first. Illinois is an elite scoring team. It's the thing that jumps out you bef- up out at you before anything else about this squad, and rightfully so, because they are that good at it. This Illinois team is one of the best in the nation. Has four players averaging double-digit points per game this year. Seven players averaging at least eight points per game this year. Team shoots 54% from the field. That's fifth in the country. 44% from three-point range. That's eighth in the country. Needless to say, this will be, without a doubt, the biggest challenge the, Vi- or the Vikings, the Gophers, have had defensively so far this season. So when you go into this game and you're thinking, what do you look for? Well, just overall, how does the Gopher team do defensively against this squad? It's a powerhouse of an offensive team, and this Gopher squad has a big challenge ahead of it. On top of that, the Illini are also an elite rebounding team. Just looking at some of the rebounding stats, and also all all of these rankings are from teamrankings.com, by the way. Illinois 13th in rebounds per game overall in the country. Also 5th in rebounds allowed per game in the country. That all totals up to 17 more rebounds per game for Illinois than their opponents on average. That's insane. Now, to be fair, Illinois hasn't played a team quite as big as Minnesota this season either. So there is a little bit of a disparity as far as that goes, but rebounding is just another thing to look for. And that brings me to the first of my three things to look out for when you're going into this game to watch. How does this team rebound against such a good rebounding team? It's something that Richard Pitino has mentioned can get better before. He brought it up after the Loyola Marymount game, in which the Gophers only won by three, that this team is going to have to get a little bit better at rebounding the basketball. It did immediately after. The game against Notre Dame was really good. Gophers rebounded well against Boston College as well. But Illinois is elite as far as rebounding the basketball goes. And that's my first thing to watch out for. I got three of them. That's number one. How can this team rebound? Especially a guy like Liam Robbins and the guys who are supposed to be your big rebounders. How do they do against a team that really, really knows how to do it? Second thing to look for, and maybe this is obvious, maybe not, I don't know. How does the team guard Io DeSumo? The Gophers haven't really established that clear number one defender in the backcourt, right? Like, who's the perimeter defender who can be the one who steps up and is always the guy who guards the other team's best, you know? There isn't that kind of guy on the Gophers right now. 
and, and the Gophers don't have anyone that matches up super well with him in the backcourt. If I had to choose someone, I'd say Booth Gotch maybe. Uh, Adesumu, by the way, is lifted, listed at 6'5", 185. Gotch is at 6'6", 183. So that's like the best as far as just pure size matchup it goes on defense. But just right out of the gates, that's something I'm going to be looking out after first like just couple of possessions. Who does Richard Pitino have matching up with Desumu? Because in my opinion, whoever that is, is going to be the guy who at least Patino thinks right now is the number one defender on this team. I mean, Desumu is averaging 24 points per game. If you're not putting your best on him, what are you doing? So whoever guards Desumu just out of the gates, that's who I think is Patino telling you is kind of tipping his hand. This is the guy who's our best defender right now. So I'll be interested to see that. As far as just like defensive rating goes overall, the stat defensive rating per 100 possessions, the best are Mashburn and Marcus Carr, but neither of them really fit well to guard Desumu. Marcus Carr is only six foot two, and Desumu has the kind of speed to be able to work around him and get physical with him on a drive to the lane. And Jamal Mashburn, like he's big enough to do it, but I, I don't know. Do you really want a freshman guarding the guy who, if not for Luca Garza, would be possibly considered the best player in the Big Ten right now? It doesn't seem smart to me. So I'm interested to see how the Gophers line up against him particularly. Also, the third thing to look out for, how do the Gophers plan to attack Illinois? This is something that I think is going to be big. Well, first off, what is Illinois not so good at? Uh, There's some sloppy play for the Illini. They tend to turn the ball over quite a bit. 15.3 turnovers per game. That's number 221 in the nation as far as teams go according to team rankings. And also, they foul at a decent rate as well. So with 18.5 fouls per game, that puts them out outside the top 150 in the country. Can the Gophers try to attack to try and put some guys in foul trouble early? And if they want to pull off an upset, that's going to be huge, obviously. Being able to put some of the Illini's best players on the bench for an extended period of time. And also, as far as those turnovers go, can the Gophers use their backcourt experience with guys like Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalsher to take advantage of what might be some sloppy play from Illinois, at least at points in this game? Can they step in front of a pass? Can they get a steal on a dribble? That kind of stuff, I I think, can be some of the turning points as well. And going back to the fouls, again, just to go back to the Gophers side of things, in the same vein, you got to keep a guy like Liam Robbins out of foul trouble here today. Because Illinois has a guy in Kofi Cokeburn who can really score the basketball and be an intimidating presence, and he's a seven-footer just like Robbins is. So if Robbins has to take a seat, there's really nobody who can size up with Cokeburn in the same way. Yeah, there's other defensive strategies you can take to try and slow him down, but with Liam Robbins, who has already had foul trouble this season so far, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get into foul trouble again if it does happen. I don't think that spells well for the Gophers. But I think the hope is that you're able to keep him out of that foul trouble and at least be able to have him matching up with the big man from Illinois for a majority of this game. And obviously, when he's been in the game for a lot, he's been really good. Liam Robbins on both sides of the ball. I'd like to see a little bit more of that as well as he starts to develop into a true Big Ten player with a big, big Ten test coming up tonight. 
Those are just my takeaways from what's going to happen tonight with Illinois and Minnesota. Of course, tomorrow we'll have a recap of everything that did happen this evening between the Gophers and the Illini. It's going to be a good one, no doubt about that. And, of course, we'll be back tomorrow morning with all of the recaps and everything else going on with Minnesota sports right here on Locked On Golden Gophers. That's coming up tomorrow right here on Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Until tomorrow, I'm Nate Dickinson. Roll the boat, Sky Yuma. Go Gophers.